0: Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Don It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Hey, Whitney, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Your name is like a famous person's name. (laughs) Thank you. It's like Whitney D. Walter. (laughs) Um, Welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me.
1: Sure. I don't even know how you have the time. My God, you are a busy woman. I am. I am. But, you know, talking about things like burnout is one of my favorite things to do. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. And I know so many people are going to benefit from from listening about it. Where did you get your drive, your ambition? Where did that come from?
1: You know, after working in corporate America for over a decade, I, I had a lot of frustrations that, that drove me to take action. So that's largely where it came from.
0: Yeah, I wondered if that made you jaded at all. You know, I mean, like how you how you bounce back from that or stay positive when you're constantly bombarded with that feeling of not oppression, but you know, just being outnumbered and maybe not feeling as equal.
1: You know, it didn't make me jaded. I always looked at at it as um, providing opportunities for growth and. And I've got a very analytical mindset, so I'm always looking for opportunities to do things better, to connect with people, to learn, to develop myself. So I I don't necessarily think I I became jaded. I think I just became more open to finding ways to solve problems.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And it's kind of funny, too, that you say that because it's like usually people that are into numbers, not to stereotype. But in my (laughs) in my experience, people that are really into numbers and stuff aren't necessarily the type of people that really want to try and be in social settings or figure people out or (laughs) be involved with people. So that's that's just funny. That is true. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Toxic work culture is definitely something that is uh, going on in all over the place. Even if you're
1: working from home, you're still
0: yes. dealing with it. Um, so, how do you how do you help
1: people deal with that? You know, I think a big part of it is learning how to advocate for yourself, and that way you can start to set boundaries and really enforce those. And a lot of times, also, it's just. It's just the task of recognizing toxic work culture and understanding that you don't necessarily have to play into all of the negative things you see, but instead you can kind of take control of how you deal with these things.
0: Yeah. Well, and you do have to be your own advocate. And I think a lot of people don't like having the uncomfy kind of conversations, but if you don't, nobody will. I mean, you have to be the one Mm -hmm. to stand up for yourself. Absolutely. And that's so sad to me. You know, no job, no amount of money that you make at a job is ever worth your your mental health.
1: I completely agree. And I think especially, you know, because of the pandemic that we all experienced, a lot of people are paying more attention to wellness at work, but also, you know, figuring out a work-life balance and and paying more attention to their mental health. And, and like you said, you've got to advocate for yourself because no one else will.
0: Yeah, did you have a hard time yourself finding a balance? Because I mean, I didn't announce all of your credentials, but you have been in the workforce for a very long time and been very driven for a very long time. So did you leave your personal life kind of on the back burner for a long time?
1: You know, I, I won't say that I did. Um, I think I I've always been kind of an overachiever, so it's easy to fall into that trap, but I actively looked for roles that would not require too much of my my mental space outside of that nine to five range. Mm -hmm. Uh, Personally, for me, that meant stepping away from things like sales roles that required, you know, quarterly or monthly goals to be met and stepping into more training and operational type of roles that would let me kind of uh, put a stop to it at Friday at five o'clock and not worry about it again until Monday morning.
0: God, that is so hard to leave your job at your job, you know, not take it home with you. It's uh, that's a job in itself to not do that. So what is it that you prescribe for people that are dealing with burnout? I mean, how do you even know? Let's let's go there. How do you even know if you're actually having burnout from your job?
1: Well, you know, there are a few different signs or symptoms, if you will, that you can look for. Um, The first one I always like to mention is just feeling like you don't have any energy. You're constantly exhausted and fatigued, and you just don't have the mental capacity to even really care about your productivity at work. Um, So if you're finding yourself in that position, then you could potentially have, uh, have symptoms or be experiencing burnout. Um, another one is that you just feel very negative or cynical towards your job. So perhaps you um, are not in agreement with the long term goals that your manager is setting for you or your department. Perhaps you don't have the motivation to seek out career progression. All of those things could be signs of burnout.
0: And so what is it that you suggest that people do? Like, what if, okay, we're just going to do a, a pretend scenario. What if you're a teacher mm-hmm. and you are dealing with, you You love being a teacher. You love dealing with your students of any age. You know, you just love your job, but you have maybe the school district that is imposing all of these requests on you that are above and beyond what you would normally do on the day to day, you know, just to teach, you want to just be there to teach. And then they throw the test score things and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, what are they supposed to do?
1: Well, I think the first thing you can do is just start personally and internally. And, kind of gauge if you are appropriately caring for yourself. So things like rest and relaxation, uh, meditation, things that you can do outside of the workplace. Self-care, for example, is typically where I like to start because that won't necessarily have a negative impact on your day-to-day job. In fact, it would have a positive impact if you're able to implement these things. Taking breaks during the workday, whenever you have the ability to really just step away mentally and physically is really helpful. Um, And then beyond that, if it's really bad, you can start to step in and, and make those boundaries apparent for either your direct manager or whoever you need to have those conversations with. But a lot of times it just comes down to talking to whoever your superior is and saying like, this is what I have on my plate. Let me know what you want to be prioritized. I will start with those things, and we're in agreement that anything that is not prioritized may or may not get done.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of ironic because people think that they don't have time for self care. You know, they're just, I'm too busy. I've got this, I've got that, I've got this. I don't have time to have a bubble bath or go for a walk in the woods. You know, I don't have time for that. But yet, if you burn the candle at both ends and end up sick, you are going to be bedridden and not have a choice. So, I mean, it's like you're making a proactive choice by taking care of yourself before something bad happens.
1: That's so true. And, you know, there's that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I completely agree with that. And it's right in line with what you're saying, because if you exhaust yourself completely, you're no good to anyone. So you have to make the time, even if it is just getting up 10 minutes early to meditate or spending an extra few minutes, you know, in the bubble bath with a glass of wine or whatever the case may be. It's so important.
0: I have heard the term imposter syndrome multiple times. Will you tell me what your definition of that is? Because I I don't understand it.
1: Absolutely. So imposter syndrome is something that I I talk about a lot, actually, since I'm frequently speaking, with corporate women. And the simplest way to put it is just ne- negative self-talk. Typically, it is you talking yourself out of opportunities or you convincing yourself that you're not worthy of something. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't know is that it's very prevalent in high-achieving individuals.
0: Hmm. Yeah, they hide it very well, apparently. They do. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And why in the world would we do that to ourselves?
1: Why in the world would we do that to ourselves? I don't understand. You know, I think a big part of it is realizing success and not internalizing the the, the hard work and all of the drive it took for you to get to that point. So especially in the high achieving individuals, you are constantly going after a new goal. You're trying to achieve You know, new status, higher accolades. And when you're constantly reaching for the next thing, oftentimes you're not taking the time to appreciate what you have accomplished. And it really just pushes you into that cycle of feeling like you don't deserve great things because you're not pausing to appreciate the great things you already have.
0: Mm. So, you're a professional development expert and career coach. Or do you feel like you're doing your dream job right now, or do you aspire to do more?
1: Well, I always aspire to be more, <laughs> but I would say yes. I, I think after you know over a decade working in corporate America, finance specifically, which is a very male-dominated field, I had such a desire to seek mentorship and fellowship, even with other professional women that I really wasn't able to attain. And so now being able to offer that to other women, it, it's just a dream.
0: That's awesome. How did you find these women to um, look up to these role models? Where did you find them?
1: You know, I I like to joke and say I had a lot of unofficial role models while I was in corporate. Um, More senior members of the company that I worked at that I kind of followed very closely whenever they would participate in in an executive roundtable or a panel discussion. I really listen to what they had to say. So even though they weren't my own official mentor or role model, I, I kind of took the blueprints that I was able to piece together from them and used it myself.
0: No, oh, you're like a constant student. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Forever. I love that. That's
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You should never stop learning. I mean, that's what it should keep everybody going. And not not only being a woman, but you look really young too. So I can mm-hmm. imagine that that was probably something that was hard for you to get people to take you seriously.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, like I said, a woman working in a male-dominated field, I was oftentimes the youngest person in the room. And then I'm also a woman of color. So looking around a lot of the rooms that I was in, I did not see myself represented. And that definitely leads to imposter syndrome when you don't see evidence of someone like yourself succeeding. So it was difficult. And I found myself in a place where I had to force myself to advocate um, for my own success.
0: Good for you. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have, are your parents still around? Yeah, they are. And um, do you have siblings? I do, yes. Are you guys all just
1: overachievers? You know, we are. <laughs> I like, like to joke with my mother because um she was very much one of those parents that focused on grades when we were in school. And when we would get our report cards, she and my dad would give us money for the A's that were on our report cards. <laughs> So it really, really drove us to want to be, you know, top of the class so we could get, you know, some extra money in addition to our allowance. And I think that really uh, stayed with us into adulthood.
0: <laughs> I remember my dad being like, I'm not going to pay you to get good grades, but, you know, maybe <laughs> if he had, I would have tried <laughs> it a little harder. Who knows? You know, whatever it takes—that's what you do.
1: Right, and it wasn't much money either, but you know, it was a little bit of extra motivation, I will say.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. So, when do you think is a turning point for people in their in their job, and they feel like they've they feel like they've exhausted all efforts? Do you think that leaving is what your option should be, or do you think you should really try and stick it out and advocate? I mean, when do you know it's time to just go ahead and call it and leave?
1: You know, I'm a big supporter of seeking out therapy first. Um, I, I never like to recommend someone just quit a job because you never know what kind of situation that could put someone in. So I always recommend seek out the support of a professional and get their opinion on it. You know, it could be a, a mix of things that is causing you to feel that exhaustion. Maybe it's personal and professional, but in any case, it really, really helps to speak with a professional about it. And then that professional should be able to recommend whether or not you need to take some time off. Perhaps you you may be able to utilize some sort of leave to kind of get your mental state back to where it needs to be. And if that is not an option, or if you've done that already, then I would say it's probably time to start looking for something else.
0: Are you seeing a lot of women now starting to make as much as men and, or even more? I wish it was more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, not quite. Um, I've looked at some studies from year end of 2022 and the gap is closing a little bit, but there definitely is still a disparity between what men and women are making. And I think a big part of it also is that men tend to advocate for themselves a lot more than women do. So that's something that I'm always talking about. You know, we can't complain about the disparity if we're not asking for more. Why do you think that is? You know, I I wish there was a definitive answer. And I don't think there is. I haven't come across one yet. I think that women are oftentimes more detail oriented. And so they may kind of talk themselves out of asking for more money, you know, I know before I got into the habit of negotiating my own job offers, I would kind of think to myself like, oh, well, the the recruiter is making this offer based on the budget that the company has. So who am I to believe that they have a higher budget or that they could afford me afford to pay me more? Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably something that a lot of women do. And maybe men are not doing that as often.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I I did hair for a living. And I remember them always saying, don't spend other people's money for them. You know, you just say this is what I charge.
1: Absolutely.
0: And you don't make excuses for it. You just that's what it is. (laughs) There's no negotiation.
1: That's it. And so if they want if they want your services bad enough, they'll pay it. Yes, I completely agree with that. And the same goes for people that are applying for jobs. If, if they want you to be on their team, they will figure out a way to make it happen. I mean, I've seen positions created that weren't created uh, previously because of a really qualified and um, interesting candidate the last corporate job that I had actually was supposed to be an internal position and they opened it as an external position for me specifically.
0: Oh um, my gosh. So,
1: yeah. You never know what kind of exceptions can be made. How in the world did you make that happen? <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you a little bit of a story about it. It was actually yeah. a, a company I had never heard of. Um, and I had a recruiter that reached out to me directly on LinkedIn and she was attempting to get me to apply for a role that I wasn't interested in. And instead of just kind of saying thanks, but no thanks, I engaged in the conversation. I kind of let her know what I was interested in, what my career goals were, and um, asked her to let me know if she had any other opportunities that would be in line with that. And she came back with a job posting that she told me, oh, this one is really interesting. I think you'll like it, it's very competitive. Later on, we found out that it was supposed to be an internal-only posting, but this was after I had already started interviewing. I had made a good impression on the hiring manager, and so they ultimately allowed me to take the role, even though I was an external candidate.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think it just took that one
0: time, the very first time, for you to walk into your boss's office and say, hey, look... I'm working really hard and I feel like I deserve more money. And once they said, okay, you're right. You have, then it was just easier for you from then on to go advocate for yourself.
1: Oh, Don! I wish it was one time. I wish wish you could have one conversation and then you're so confident for the rest of your life. No, absolutely not. Um, I had to do it constantly and even Mm. conversations with prior managers telling them that I wanted to be promoted and I wanted to, you know, get a raise and things like that. It's a conversation you have to have over and over again. And it does get easier. But every time, you you know, I was walking in hands shaking, sweaty palms, you know, Yeah. and um, but once you do it frequently enough, you do get used to it. But it, it's it's like forming a habit. It's never easy at the beginning.
0: Have you been rejected before?
1: I have. Absolutely.
0: Do you feel like that made you even more um, strong and determined?
1: Yes, because I think every rejection, you kind of walk away and you think, hey, I'm still alive. You know, (laughs) Um, you know, it didn't kill me. So even though those are not the, the most fun conversations to have, it's, it's good to go through that because you learn how those conversations work. And a lot of times you may get rejected only to receive an offer for something else later on.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do about your job?
1: I love to help people create job search strategies. I think that one of the biggest problems right now is that since there are so many people looking for jobs, I've found a lot of people are just spending hours online submitting job applications. And that can absolutely lead to burnout. So um, I like to sit down and figure out what kind of roles are you actually going after? What would make you happy? Where is the intersection between what you love and what you're good at? And let's talk about applying to jobs based on that.
0: Very interesting. So do you like, um, I was going to say tour, (laughs) do you uh, travel and go speak to people about this? Or how,
1: how do people find out this information from you? So largely I do online work. So people can reach out to me through my website or even through social media to apply to speak with me and potentially receive career coaching from me. But I do travel as a speaker so I can speak at corporations uh, talking about topics like what we're discussing today, such as burnout, toxic workplace culture, effective communication and those types of things. Um, So travel is largely for speaking and then uh, career coaching I typically do online. Okay. So are you married? I am. Yes, actually brand new. We're a month in. Oh. (laughs) Well, congratulations thank you um do you aspire to have kids do you think is that I, in the works you know we're we're talking about one so we'll see how that goes <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm sure everybody's asking you i hate to be one of those people the only reason why i ask is because you are so career-minded and yes. i wonder how that um how that comes into play for somebody that's so driven, so in their career, like, would you work part-time? Would you find a way to work full-time still?
1: You know, one of the things that really drove me to start this company is freedom, you know, and I think a lot of people are chasing that right now, especially with the uptick in more remote and hybrid roles. It's creating a type of freedom that we didn't used to have when we had to go into the office every day. So thankfully, I have left corporate now, and I'm working within my company full time. And, and so I'm excited about the opportunity to be able to take time away when I'm ready to, you know, step into that chapter. Yeah. Um, so where did you go for your honeymoon? We actually have not gone on our honeymoon yet. Um, we, our actual wedding ceremony is not until September. And okay. so- we are planning to go to Madrid after that. So that's Oh, exciting. wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yes. We, we both love to travel, so that'll be exciting.
0: Yeah. And that's hard to do too, when you work, you know, or to not bring work with you when you're traveling, like, Oh, when I get back, I'm going to have 5 million emails or (laughs) when I, you know, like it's we can't even relax
1: when we're (laughs) relaxed. You know, I'll tell you, we, we took a trip to the Bahamas in January and it was a little bit difficult to step away, but I think if you are intentional about planning in advance, it is possible, even for those that are still in a traditional nine to five role. If you can plan for, you know, projects to be taken over by other people, or if you can plan for, you know, any timely work to be completed ahead of time and contingency plans and that type of thing, then it does give you a little bit more freedom to kind of turn off the work phone leave the l- laptop at home you know and and take that time for rest and relaxation
0: yeah it is interesting how things have changed so much where there's all these buildings now that are just empty You know, so many people are working from home or switched careers and they've got remote jobs. And I, it's so interesting at first it made me sad, but then I thought, well, it's change. It's just a big change. And Mm -hmm. obviously having the whole world shut down for COVID brought that about, Mm -hmm. but um, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with all of those empty buildings. And if there'll ever be a typical quote unquote corporate
1: building ever again you know you know it's it's interesting because of course i I follow the job market news quite closely and there are very many companies that are really pushing for returning to the office and i think they're going to be a little bit surprised at how much pushback they get i know that a lot of people really got comfortable with the idea of working from home or even a hybrid type of situation so getting everyone 100% back into the office is probably not very likely. And um, I think that people will start to seek out jobs where they don't have to do that.
0: That's 100% happening. It's happening here in the Midwest, at least. I mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many people that are like, I'm not going back. They, mm-hmm. I've already shown them that I'm capable of doing my job from home exactly. and I get it all done. And and some people feel like they socialize more when they're at work. Mm-hmm. They're just like, no, at work, people would come up and talk to me. I'm trying to get stuff done. Or you get pulled into a meeting, not get back to your desk for an hour and a half. So I think people are definitely um, pushing back 100%.
1: Absolutely. And I know at the end of 2022, the world's largest four-day workweek test was completed. And it involved companies across Um, I believe the UK and the United States. And the results were largely positive. So I think for the companies that are really pushing to get people back into the office, they are probably going to have to adopt something like the four-day work week so that people still feel like they have some control over their time.
0: Yeah. It
1: makes me wonder though, what people do that
0: have little ones that aren't in school age, you know, school yet,
1: That's true. Like,
0: how do they, they do that? I, I had three kids under three. I couldn't imagine having all of them home and me trying to work a job.
1: Oh gosh, that sounds (laughs) like such a challenge. And I imagine all of these daycares are having to adjust their hours and their pricing and all of that. So I, I feel for anyone dealing with that.
0: That's true. Well,
1: I appreciate your time so much. Tell people how they can find you. Thank you. Yes. So you can find me online. My website is WhitneyDWalter.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn at WhitneyDWalter. And you can find me on TikTok as well, um, which is Career Tips with Wit.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm sure your parents are just so proud of you. I just, I'm proud of you and I barely know you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. You're just doing an amazing job and a good example for women that, you know, anybody, if you just stand up for yourself and work hard, you can, you can get there. So I'll put all your information in the show notes and people can find you. And thanks again, Whitney. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me Don. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.